different than other years. You know, we weren't able to do our, our banquet. We weren't able to do our pictures with Santa. And there's just so many different things. And we thought, well, we can't just let Christmas go by without doing something. So we figured with all the technology that we possess in this world, why not just make a production ahead of time for your enjoyment? So why don't you sit back and enjoy?
I just want to say thank you to Jessica for getting that all put together. There she is sneaking in from the back. You know, when we were talking about what we were going to do, I just said, hey, Jessica, I don't care. Just figure it out. And she does. <laughs> She's always so great at that. Well, why don't we pray? Father, we just thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you for Jesus that you said that you so loved this world that you gave us Jesus. And so, Jesus, we thank you for being obedient to what the Father's desire and his love was in coming to this earth and coming as a child and then growing and dying for us, taking our sin and our shame upon you. We just thank you for everything that you've done, and we remember the real reason of this Christmas season, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how's everybody doing on this snowy morning? Isn't it wonderful? You know, it's getting a little more Christmassy. I think it was about two weeks ago, Harrison was saying to me, he's like, Dad, is there going to be snow for Christmas? And I'm like, well, I hope not, because that for me means I have to shovel it. For him, he's thinking I get to play in it. But it looks like you're going to get your snow for Christmas. You know, every year we, we like to, or I like to, I should say, and Pastor Robin set the precedent many years ago. At the end of the year season, we take time to pray and say, God, what would you have us to be mindful of in this season that is coming ahead. And you know, 2020 has been a real interesting year, has it not? And I was thinking back to our banquet last year where we did our 2020 service, and uh, I started off with some predictions that people had made long ago of what they expected 20 to 20 to look like. And I, as I was reading a few of them, I thought some of them were pretty humorous, given, given the circumstances. In 1911, there was a surgeon that predicted that by 2020, human feet would be just one big toe. And I think after all this vaccine meddling that they're doing, that might just come true. Who knows? <laughs> Another one was in 1900, the curator of the Smithsonian predicted that by 2020, C, X, and Q would no longer be a part of our alphabet. And I think given 2020 with us all having to text and email so much, that has come true for some because I think some people don't realize there is 26 letters in our alphabet and that words generally need most of them. In 1966, Time Magazine predicted that by 2020, nobody would work and everyone would be rich. And I think a lot of people have been off in 2020 and the government has been acting like everyone's rich. And so I just thought they were a little humorous as we were look, I was looking back at them. But I gave you five pieces of advice to keep in your mind for 2020. And as I was looking back at them, in December, we didn't know what was going to happen in March. And and I was just thinking how God is so faithful to prepare us ahead of times for things. And the first thing I said to remember in 2020 is that you are loved and you are accepted by God. And nothing that has happened in 2020 has changed his opinion. He was not surprised by it and he still loves you deeply and he has accepted you as his own. The second thing I felt prompted to remind you of is that you are not called to be a victim, but a victor. And so many people in this year have played the victim with everything that's going on around us. But God has not called you to be a victim. He has overcome the world. And so he has asked you to walk with him in his victory. You don't have to get bogged down by everything that's going on. We have something greater, and his name is Jesus, who came to make his home in you. The third thing that I felt prompted to tell you was don't give up hope. 
And how needed was that for this year, where so many have just given up hope and said, well, I just can't wait until 2020 is over. But you don't have to wish the days away. You can make the most of every one. I said that you are the captain of your destiny. No one has more say in your life than you. Not even God will override what he, he, you have chosen, direction you've chosen to go. He does, doesn't make you get saved. He doesn't make you serve him. But when you choose to walk with him, he will grab hold with you and take you off forward into your destiny. And the last thing I said about 2020 is that life is a gift. There are no throwaway days, there are no throwaway months, and there are no throwaway years. Every day is a gift, and every day you can draw from His goodness. And so that's what we said to keep in mind for 2020. But as I've been the last two months, I started early this year than what I normally would. And it was back in early November where I started to think about, God, what would you have us to keep in our mind for 2021? And so, for where we're going this morning, you can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16, if you have them with you, or you can follow along on the screens. And in John chapter 16, it's part of Jesus' last teachings with his disciples before he went to the cross. It's his last prayers that he prays. And he's sitting with his disciples, and he begins to prepare them for what is coming ahead. He'd been trying to tell them, guys, when we get to Jerusalem, it's going to be a little rough. They're going to arrest me. They're going to kill me, but it's okay. And Peter said, surely not. That's not going to happen, Jesus. And so by John chapter 16, we know that Jesus, he liked to teach a lot in stories, and we call them parables. But by John 16, he starts to specifically speak to them. He's not using any stories. He's saying, guys, when we get there, this is what's going to happen. And so finally, I think it's uh, Philip, he says, finally, you're speaking plainly to us. And so Jesus' response in verse 31 of chapter 16 is he says, do you now believe? Jesus is having a checkup moment with his disciples. Do you now believe? He's asking this question of them because when times get rough and things get a little bit crazy, what do you believe? What do you believe about what God has said about you? What do you believe about the future that he's told you that you can walk into? What do you believe? Because in the moment that was coming forward, it didn't matter what Jesus believed. He was going to go and do what he had to do regardless, but he's checking up with his disciples, and he says, do you now believe? No one can believe for you. In the next verse, he says, indeed, the hour is coming, and yes, now has come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. So even Jesus, as he was preparing for what was about to come, he knew that his disciples were going to be scattered around, but he said, guys, I'm going to be alone, but I'm not alone. 
And that's wisdom for us today, that even when you feel alone, you need to know you are not alone. Because he said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And so you may be the only one in the room, but you are not the only one in the room. You may feel like you're the only one, and you've run out of all your power. He's still with you, and he's not run out of his power. And so whatever you may face in this 2021, you are not alone. And the, one of the tricks that the enemy tries to get us to believe is that nobody else is there to help you. No one else is here. He's a liar and remind him of that daily. Devil, you lie and I don't have to believe you. I will trust in God who said he'll never leave me. And so Jesus says, you guys are going to be scattered, but you're not alone. And he says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation or trouble or trials, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Think about that statement for a second. This is before Jesus has gone to the cross. This is before Jesus has fought the battle for you. And he's already speaking it as though it was done. Because what, what have we been talking about the last two, two weeks with our series on the heart that Abraham believed about God? He said he believed God who calls the, 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 speaks a life to the things that are dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. And so here Jesus, even before the battle, is already counting the battle done and won. And so before you even face the battle, you need to realize that in Christ Jesus, you have already won. And so he says, I have overcome the world, therefore you can be of good cheer even in the midst of your trials and tribulation. So what may come this next year of 2021, you can be of good cheer, you can still stand in peace because he's already done the overcoming for you. And the word that he used here for overcome is the word nakao, which means to conquer, to carry off the victory. And of Christ, when it's used in reference to him, it's how he is victorious over all his foes. Everyone say, all. all. There is nothing that you will face that Jesus already hasn't faced for you, because all means all. And so in the Amplified Version, I like how they translate that last part of the verse. It says, I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished and my victory abiding. My conquest is accomplished. It's done. It's finished. And it endures forever. And with it being the Christmas season, as already has been quoted this morning, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So when he says, my victory is abiding, because the work that he was doing transcends time. It goes forward on forever. The victory that Jesus stepped into when he conquered death, hell, and the grave 
abides forever. The victory that you live in now on this earth abides forever. And the victory that you will live in for all eternity when we go to heaven to be with him is the same victory Jesus was talking about here in these verses. It's, if it's the same in heaven, guess what? It's the same here on earth. He said his prayer when he was teaching the disciples to pray, he said, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we like to often treat it as there's two different sets of rules. There's what you can do in heaven, and then there's now what you can do on earth. And Jesus said, hey, why don't we just take them and merge them all into one? He's saying the victory that he's provided is available for you now. But the message he was trying to convey to his disciples, and one that you need to remember for 2021, is he won. He was telling them, I won, even before he fought the battle. I won. And so what was in my heart to share with you this morning is how do you treat the winner? How do you treat the winner? We probably all have heard of Michael Phelps at one point. He's the most winningest athlete in Olympic history. He has 23 gold medals, two silvers, and three bronze. He's almost double the next person who has the amount. The question I have to ask you, who else was in those races? Nobody remembers their names, right? Because we focus on the winner. We've probably all heard of Usain Bolt, who is the fastest man on earth. He easily beats his peop uh, the people that he races with. And this is funny, the, the title of this picture is Usain Bolt, Socially Distancing Before It Was Cool. <laughs> we remember the ones who win because they deserve the focus. You don't ask a loser how to win, do you? You don't ask someone who knows nothing about quantum physics how to succeed in using quantum physics, right? You ask someone who knows a little something about it. And so in this year for 2021, stop asking the things of this world how to win when they didn't win. Stop asking the enemy what his opinion of the situation is. He didn't win. Jesus did. And so something to keep in mind of how do we treat the winners is they go on the highest podium. They get to stand right up there in the middle above everyone else. And if Jesus won, then he deserves to be on the top podium of, the li of your life. There is nothing else that is deserving to be in that number one position. Everything else pales in comparison to the work that Jesus has done in Almighty God who sits upon the throne. There's nothing that deserves that position. Jesus won, so let him be right there in the middle, high above everything else in your life. In Exodus chapter 20, when Moses was talking, uh, giving messages from the children of Israel, God told Moses to say this to them, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage, and you shall have no other gods before me. And why is that still important to us? 
Because we may not be like the children of Israel and turn to serve Baal or Marduk or any of the other options they had. And even today, we're not seeing people turn away from Jesus to go serve uh, Allah or Muhammad or any of that. But we have many gods of our own creations that are trying to sneak their way up onto position number one. We just don't call them by those types of names. And the thing that I like about the picture of the Olympic podium, where you have one and two and three, there are other things in your life that are important. But nothing is to be the most important other than Jesus. And when we look at the other important things, they actually get better when Jesus is in the one position. Anything else in the number one position actually is robbed of its fulfillment. But when Jesus is in number one position, everything else gets better. What's one of those things that goes better with Jesus? Well, a lot of people, their number one God is family. And family is super important. Paul said to Timothy, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So Paul fully admits that family is important, but family should not be in that number one podium. Do you want to know why? In your relationships with you, if, if, between husbands and wives, we often quote during weddings Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says, two are better than one. And any man should be able to say, amen, I'm so much better now that I've gotten married. You know, I really appreciate my wife. She has made me a better person and continually continues to make me better. And it says two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, If two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm again? And though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, but a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So as better as two is than one, three is better than two. And as the third fold cord in that illustration is God. When God is in the number one position of your life, it helps to strengthen your marriage beyond a place where if it was just you and your spouse in number one. If you think you're good together, guess how much better it gets gooder and gooder with God. When we look at from our, our children perspective, children looking towards your parents, it says Ephesians chapter 6, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It doesn't say just children obey your parents. It says obey them in the Lord, which means God needs to be involved in our family units. When we look at the example of how God loves his children, it enables us to love our children even better than what we can in our natural ability. And it says to them, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you. And that you may live long on the earth. Now, children, listen to this. Don't annoy your mother. Because in the wisdom that she's given me many times over the years is, Jordan, I brought you in to this world, and I can take you out. And so if you want to live long on this earth, 
honor your mother and your father. <laughs> but you know, if, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. But there's a promise that God gives to us as children that when we honor our parents, it enables us to be well and live long on this earth. But vice versa, the other way, there's ways that parents should look to their children and be empowered by God. It says in verse 4, And you fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And so if God is not number one, things are not flowing down to your family as they are supposed to. So family should definitely be on that podium. It's very important, but number one should always be God. What's something else that's important that we should have on that podium? I believe that our jobs and our careers and our businesses are so important in the scheme of our lives. There is so much fulfillment that we find in our, our lives when we walk in the gift and the talents that God has given to us. He's given us skills and he's given us a gift that when we use them, it brings joy and fulfillment to our lives. And so I believe that our jobs and our careers and our businesses are very important. They're worthy of being on a podium, but they are not worthy of being on the podium. Because if it weren't for the gift and the skills God gave you, you would be doing nothing. And we can't, let's think about this for a second. We should never glorify the gift given over the gift giver. Yeah, yeah. You want to find fulfillment in what you do in your day-to-day -day workings? Let God show you how he created you and the position that he's built you for. He says that you know, we're all parts of his body and members individually, and we need each and every one of us. You're not all like Christopher, and thank God. The rest of us are all not like Mitch, but we all have our place. We all have what God has put in us to fulfill, but it should never be glorified above God because it finds its power in God. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, the children of Israel are being reminded, said, you came into this land, and now you've built your, your houses, you've built all these great things, you've, your flocks have increased, and then they stood back and said, look what my power has done. And God's reminder to them was, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. And so when everything is in its place, things increase. When things get out of order, things get short-circuited. What are some other things that can be on the, on the podium of our life that we may not want there? You know, one thing when we look across society, something that gets so much emphasis that I believe shouldn't get emphasis is podium should never be in, the, or pleasure should never be on the number one spot in your podium. Though enjoying your life is a good thing, God said that he will satisfy your life with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. But when pleasure is your number one seeking, it will short circuit the rest of your life. You want to know how I know that? Solomon talked about that subject in the book of Proverbs almost more than anything else. He said in chapter 10, verse 4, he said, Lazy people are soon poor, and hard workers get rich. A wise youth harvests in the summer, 
but one who sleeps during the harvest is a disgrace. And so there can be times where like, I just want to sit back, I just want to relax. My question is, what are you supposed to be doing in this season? Because when we get it out of order and seek pleasure, when we should be in action, things don't happen the way we want them to. If you think of Proverbs chapter 21, 17, it says, those who love pleasure become poor. Pleasure is a good thing, and it is enhanced when God is in the number one position. You want to learn to enjoy your life? He knows all about the enjoyment of life. He knows what makes your heart happy above everything else. You know, there's a really unpopular uh, parable that Jesus preached. So unpopular that I've never heard one message ever preached about it. Do you want to know what it is? In Luke chapter 12, verse 16, it says, Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I I, I don't have any room for all my crops anymore. And she said, I know, I'll, I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you'll die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Now let's understand what that verse did not say. It did not say it's bad to have wealth. It did not say it's bad to enjoy the things that you've earned in this life. It says it's bad, you're a fool, to have those things and not have a rich relationship with God. Why? Because he gets number one. And everything else gets better when he's in his place. And so we never talk about that parable because it's right before one that everyone loves. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink because God knows you have need of all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God. Come on. Oh, reconnecting. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Everyone say that with me. Above all else. And he will give you everything you need. The podium of your life only has room for one in the winner's position. In 2021, emphasize putting him in the place that he belongs, and all those other important things in your life will get better. Amen? Father, we just thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you that as we near the end of this 2020, we know that nothing about this year has surprised you and nothing about what is to come in 2020 has surprised you either. And so we thank you, Father, that you said by your Holy Spirit, you lead us and guide us into all truth. You show us things to come. You bring things to our remembrance. You show us how to walk in your paths of peace. And so, Father, we just thank you that we can look to you and find ourselves right where we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, maybe you're here in this place this morning or you're watching us via the internet and you haven't even made Jesus the Lord of your life. That is the first place to start. He said, call upon me and you shall be saved. That's as simple as it is. He just said, call out and I'll come. And so we would love to pray with you right now as you take that step into the family of God. Come on, church, let's pray. Say, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We believe that you raised him from the dead. And right now I receive him into my life. I call him my Lord. And I thank you for the journey that we begin together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us this morning, we would love for you to get in contact with us. We would love to get some resources into your hands and get you hooked up with a good church in your area. If you're in the Smith Falls area, we say welcome home. Come on and let's walk this journey together. But guys, I think 2021, after everything that we have seen in 2020, God has amazing things in store for you. Do you believe that? Isn't that the question Jesus started with his disciples? Do you now believe God has good things? Do you want to walk in them? Pastor Robin?